Courtside Club is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. We are on ESPN's YouTube channel. They love the GOAT conversation. Who is your GOAT of the NFL? What's up, you guys? I'm Rachel Demita, and welcome to the Courtside Club. Today, I'm joined by former NFL lineman, Super Bowl champ, Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner, and the newest contributor to Amazon's Thursday Night Football, Andrew Whitworth. Welcome to the Courtside Club. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you so much. I know that you are super busy traveling a lot, so I appreciate you joining me virtually. Firstly, I want to know how is retirement treating you? You haven't seemed to slow down. (laughs) I tell you what, after watching uh, some NFL football here recently, you know, it's even better. You know, I don't have to take on any of those defensive ends. I'm watching get after it every NFL Sunday. Uh, It's a good, refreshing feeling, but it's been fun, and you know, hanging out with the family and, and enjoying being able to cover the game of football a little bit. Uh, I couldn't be happier and, and really more excited about the decision to, to hang it up and, and do something else. I feel like the way that you stepped out of the game is probably what everybody dreams about. Winning the Super Bowl and winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is a crazy way to retire from the sport. How long did it take for you to come off of that high? I don't know really when it's going to end, but it's still going. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I mean, to really have the opportunity to end your career winning a Super Bowl, uh, obviously winning the Walter Award is uh, just unbelievable honor and so humbling. But I, I think it's one of those things that uh, after 16 years of doing something like this and being able to walk away a champion, I don't know that feeling will end, but I hope it doesn't. And it's been a lot of fun. And one of those things, just as I've traveled a little bit for football and those things to get to see people and hear their thoughts and, and then be able to communicate with me just about my career and different things they remember. It's been a lot of fun these last six, seven months, really enjoying those moments. Has there been anything that stood out with you? Any fan that came up to you and said something that really hit home? I think really the, the opportunity, you know, no matter where you go, you know, it's a, it's a smaller world than we all think it is at times. And just walking in different restaurants or hotels and having somebody that may work there stop me and just tell me, you know, what the speech at Walter Payton, you know, the award really speech that night meant to them and how many times they've watched it and, you know, how it affected their life. I mean, I had a young man just this past week uh, when I was traveling for the Cleveland game, you know, against the Steelers who pulled me to the side to tell me that he had been through a horrific, you know, traffic accident and was in the hospital and had followed my career and watched that. And it was such an inspiration to him to, to, in his recovery process and those kind of things. And it was just a, uh, emotional moment. Got got a chance to say hello to him and give him a hug and share that moment. So some of those things are the kind of things to me that just, you know, they go on forever and, and they're so special to you. You, you forget sometimes in those moments uh, that uh, you affect a lot of people out there. And there's a lot of people that have eyes on the NFL and, and what we get to do for a living. Definitely. And speaking of a lot of eyes, there was a lot of eyes on that Super Bowl game. It was actually my first Super Bowl that I've ever attended. Let's go. So dope. Yeah. In L.A. I lived in L.A. for nine years, but I grew up in Ohio. So I was going for the Bengals. I can't even lie. That's but, okay. That's right. <laughs> but I uh, I appreciate your story. And obviously, you've talked about it in many other interviews about going up against a team that you spent 11 years of your playing career. Going into that game, did you just know this was this was your moment? 
I mean, the the stars couldn't align any better. Yeah, I think it was one of those things when, when we went into the NFC Championship, the Bengals Chiefs actually played before us. I can remember being in the locker room, like I'm taping my wrist and I'm watching the kick go through the uprights and I'm like, oh my God, we're winning this game. Like there's no way the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl and I'm not going to get a chance to be in that game with them. Like it's meant to be for us to be in that game together. And so then we win the game, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I can remember those two weeks were just unbelievable. I mean, the support and love from the city of Cincinnati and the interviews I got to do, and then also in L.A., and then after the game, just those moments are awesome, but you're so appreciative of your time in both places and what both of those places meant to you. It was such a weird feeling that whole week leading up to the game because I even shared this with Mike Brown and Katie and Troy Blackburn, the the owners of the Bengals, and I got a chance to visit with them a month ago. It's like going to the game. It's like, all right, I'm so proud of both places. I'm, I'm proud of my time at both places. Only one scenario am I ecstatic because I win the Super Bowl. And one of them I'm crushed, but I'd still be proud of really the contribution I had of a part of this organization. And so uh, that didn't make them feel any better. But it is true <laughs> that, I, that I loved both places. And it was an amazing game and, and something I'll never forget for sure. Can we talk about halftime for a second? Let's do it. So Evan McPherson obviously stayed out on the field. We have those pictures that were all over social media to watch the halftime performance. And I'm honestly just dying to know. So when you're in the locker room at halftime, do you hear the performance at all? Or are you just so locked in with your team? You know, I'll I'll say I've played in two Super Bowls. The one in Atlanta, uh, I had no idea what the performance was. The one in L.A., our locker room is literally right there as you walk, you know, you walk off of it on the field right there, just a small hallway. So we could hear a little bit of the music. Like you could hear that it was really loud out there, but we really didn't hear much of anything else. And so, no, I mean, there's not really a halftime we were ever paying attention. And I get it. He wanted to go watch it. It's one of those things that, you know what, you are a kicker. You could probably get away with it. But it's just like being at work during the week, probably not the best idea. You know, it's. I always tell kickers and punters when they get bored during the week at work, just hide. Don't be. Don't let guys see you <laughs> laying around on a couch or playing a video game when we're going from meeting to meeting. You know, it's just best to lay low. So I think his best option would have been to lay low in that situation, or at least if he wanted to watch it, hide in one of those little field suites where nobody would have seen him. Right, or get like the mascot's head or something. Yeah, something. <laughs> you got. You got to lay low. Yeah. Is there any performance, halftime performance in Super Bowl history that you wish you could have been at? I think that was it for me. I mean, that that would have been that's right there in my era of music. And uh, you know what? I, I I went back and watched it afterwards. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. That was really cool. I mean, I, I thought that was one of the coolest halftimes that I can remember for, for quite some time as far as music I would have wanted to watch and, and people that I grew up listening to. But you got the dove, so it's a little bit better. Yeah, that made it sweet. It's okay. I'd, I'd rather watch it back on uh, some kind of streaming service than than have watched it in person. Definitely. So, what do you expect from the Bengals and the Rams this this season? Well, you look at it. I mean, I think the Super Bowl hangover is somewhat real in the sense of you know you have the shortest amount of time to get ready for the next season. You know, injuries being banged up throughout an NFL season, your recovery time just even if you only just had nicks and bruises is much shorter, and so. You know, I don't think it's necessary that you have a hangover like you can't play well, 
but it's a little bit of getting yourself back up, that energy it takes to compete every week, little nagging injuries. You haven't been away from them for very long when the season kicks back off again. And I just think it's getting in your groove and finding that, you know, what is the team identity going to be for the next season? That's the crucial part. Too many teams, it's like, hey, what was the identity last year? And you try to repeat that. And that's never the case. The NFL is ever-changing, always. And so I think being able to find their new identity for this season coming up and how they could play throughout this year, the style and what it will take for them to win games is what they've both got to find. And, you know, obviously when you've played in the last game, there's been a lot of other teams that have had the opportunity to find that identity for longer than you have. And so, you know, they're, they're going to be one of those – Both I think both of them will probably be somewhat of maybe they don't start as fast – but I really think both of them are too talented and have too many good players that they're not going to be in contention as the season goes. Do you think it's going to be harder for the Bengals because this is kind of a new scenario for them? Now they have a target on their back, which they haven't seen for years, and they have a lot of younger players of a very young quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you really look at it, I think so for sure, because here's one of the things people forget is that this team is really young, it is really good, but they were 7-6 and six last year and almost out of the picture, and then went on a 6-1 and one streak where they were plus nine in turnovers. They were hitting explosive plays all over the place. Like, the game started kind of going their way, and they took advantage of it. But at one point, they had lost a couple games in a row, some bad losses, were 7-6, and six, and people weren't thinking very good things about them. So I just think this team hasn't necessarily dominated year in and year out, whereas you look at the Rams – You've won multiple division championships over the last couple of years. They've had great records, just weren't getting where they wanted to get in the playoffs and then lost the Super Bowl. So they have much more, I'd say Sean McVay and his staff really have more experience of being really, really good and, and a mature football team that's been in those situations before. Whereas in Cincinnati, it's not that they're not good enough to be or talented enough, just haven't been there yet. And so it's going to be more experience and this will be a great learning op for them. It's going to be tough road to start the season. But as the season goes, can they just lock in and keep realizing, hey, it's all the little things that we did really well that actually made us a winning football team. Can we be plus in the turnover margin, take care of the football, create turnovers on defense, play winning football? And that's what's going to get us where we need to go. And I know it's early, but do you have a 2023 Super Bowl team prediction? The two teams that you think might make it. I think it's really early in the season. I think you, you look around the league, there's a lot of talented football teams, but the one factor that's always going to be there is, is injuries and health. I mean, you look at it every year, these teams that are in the playoffs are some of the most healthy teams in the NFL that season. So it's going to really be about who can get healthy and stay healthy throughout the year. Um, I still like the opportunity for it to be possibly either the Rams or the Eagles to come from the NFC. I think the Eagles, I liked them before the season started. Um, They just have a really talented roster and they got something that, you know, no different than what you've seen with Lamar Jackson, you know, Josh Allen, other teams where if the quarterback can move, throw and we have a running game built in, you know, Patrick Mahomes, another great example. Just it's tough on defenses in this day and age because it's hard to play all this one on one coverage and take care of the quarterback. So, you know, I think the Eagles have a really good shot. They have a great defense as well. And I think the Rams are going to get better and better as the year goes. Uh, they're only going to get healthier and they're going to have a shot because, you know, they'll go for it and they'll add somebody at some point that we aren't thinking about. But, you know, I also think in the AFC, it's going to be tough sledding. I mean, you talk about some really good football teams. Uh, I still think the Bills are probably my favorite. 
you've seen what the Dolphins have done, but I think the uh, the Bills, at the end of the day, I just have a feeling Josh Allen's going to be that guy who's going to find a way to get his team in that championship. There's a lot of excitement around that team, too. I feel like carrying over from playoffs last year into this season, even me obviously being on social media as much as I am, like, wow, this team is really building that fan base, and there's a lot of there's a lot rallying behind them. It's cool. Yeah, they have a great energy, and they've got a great football team. And you really look at it, they, they did some things they needed to do. Offensively, they've always been electrifying, but they've added some defensive pieces that is really going to help them, and Von Miller especially. I just think they're a team, when you really look at it, you got a lot, guy like Vaughn who's won it before. They were almost in that moment last year. Something about that veteran leadership and been there before attitude is going to matter later in this season when it really comes down to the games that are important. And I just have a feeling they'll find a way. We talk about loyalty a lot more in sports now in the NBA and also in the NFL, where I feel like both of these leagues, the players are starting to get more control. And obviously you had experience that with that. You played on only two teams in your entire NFL career, 16 years, which is incredible. But how do you feel about these players being able to take control more so over their destiny than maybe they were before? I think it's fantastic. I mean, I really, to me, it's about the maturity of the athlete. And, and so I think when I got in the league to look at uh, really where we were as athletes and, and where we are today, it's unbelievable to see. You know, I think sometimes it, it maybe it's not what people were used to and it's not the norm that they want where players seem controlled and they seem like they kind of can, you know, have control over where they're able to go and, and make them stay certain places. But I think it's great because it's really showing guys have an opportunity to be exactly who they are, be themselves, you know, take control of their own lives and say, if this is something I want to do and the player I want to be, um, this is what's best for me and my family. Um, I, I really enjoy getting to see guys be able to do that. I think it's really important for the game. And it's also what creates this buzz. When you see guys move from team to team, you look at it. I mean, even Yvonne Miller, what he did in Buffalo going there. I mean, A.J. Brown going to Philadelphia. I mean, you've created this new energy where certain teams really are able to build more, more passion, more fans, more belief that they're going to be really good because of some of that mix. I think it keeps the game interesting and fun. And I, I think it's uh, unfortunate sometimes that you're not going to see as many guys probably play at one place as they used to. But I also think it's great for the game to continue to see the growth of it through players being able to move and creating new buzz and, and more you know parity throughout the league where – there's a lot of teams every year that could be competitive if they right, make the right offseason moves. Do you feel like on the flip side of that, maybe it hurts the cities in a way or the fan bases who, you know, ha have a guy there who's only there for a couple years and then he's switching around and then you feel like you've, you've grown to, to root for this player. Now he's on another team or now your, your team goes from being really good to not being very good the next year. We see it so much in the NBA. I feel like even more than the NFL, but do you feel like the landscape of sports is going to change? Cause that's kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to see that. I think every sport's a little different. I mean, obviously in the NBA, you have a little more of the, you know, it really matters. You get three guys that are really good on one team. Uh, it can dictate the entire sport that season. It really can. And But I think in the NFL, it's a little different than that. I mean, the the all 11 matters. I mean, you can 
take a lot of good players. You look at the Las Vegas Raiders right now. They've added a ton of guys, and, well, they're 0-3 to start their season. So, you know, it not it doesn't necessarily always correlate to wins in the NFL. You can put a lot of talent on a team. It doesn't mean they're going to win. And I think that's a little different than the NBA. The NBA, it matters a bunch. If you put some of the best players in the world on the team, they're going to dominate the league. And so in the NFL, with injuries and everything else, I think the, the playing field is a lot more level. Um, I think it's it's unfortunate for fans and cities that, you know, at sometimes you will lose a player. But I think that's why there's always got to be mechanisms to possibly keep a guy here or there. And um, I think eventually, you know, with you franchise tags, obviously you still have that opportunity right now. But I think there'll be more mechanisms as we move on in the future to probably keep guys there. But also the reason that happens is that we've got a mechanism where it doesn't financially reward them to stay. And I think if the league wants to fix that, then they got to find a way just like max contracts in the NBA or fully guaranteed contracts to make it worth players while to not leave those cities. Because when you're telling a guy that is supporting a family, hey, you got to turn down all this money that's fully guaranteed to you and your family just to be able to stay where you'd like to stay in this city. I think you're putting them in really tough situations. And that's one of the tough things that's different about the NFL and its salary cap system. Last thing on on this point. You early on wrote a letter, it, correct me if I'm wrong, to the to the owner of the Bengals at the time to kind of talk to him and like, hey, I, I'm in this situation. I've given you guys this many years of, of my career, you know, kind of what's going on. Could you break that down for us? Yeah. So I, you know, when I was in 2000 and I guess that would be 15, um, I'd been, you know, a Cincinnati Bengal for my whole entire career and had uh, always kind of uh, taken extensions early that they had offered me because I always thought it was smarter for me to be secure and my family be secure and financially and stuff than really always risk it to get to free agency. And so I had finally entered the the last year of my contract after never being in that situation for the first you know nine years of my career, basically. And so I finished a season. I'd had one of the best years I'd ever had was going into the 2015 season. And I just finished 2014, not giving up any sacks and had one of the best left tackle seasons, you know, in quite some time. And so I went to them and just said, look, I think I've earned the opportunity. I've been a captain the whole time I've been here. I think I've earned the opportunity to not have to go into this season with one last year of my deal and at a very low rate for a left tackle. Like I, I deserve an extension. And they just said they'd get back to me and never did. So I decided to write Mike Brown a letter. And I did just telling him exactly how I felt and what the situation made me feel like and what I'd done over my time there. And then I thanked him for my time. And, and if this was the end of the road and this is how they really wanted it to end, then it's unfortunate. But it is what it is. And he responded with offering me a year extension. And, and we worked that out. The truth is, I mean, I, it's one of the same reasons you said about leaving in free agency and guys being able to kind of control their own destiny. You know, being able to have tough conversations and say, hey, look, this is how I feel. This is how you guys are making me feel. Is this what, really what you're looking for? And being able to have what I call adult conversations with ownership and, and realize that you as a player have value and you mean, you mean something to the league, you mean something to your team, uh, much less your family and everyone else that loves and cares about you. So have confidence to go in there and be proud of yourself and, and have conversations that dictate your future. Love that. I want to get more into your life after football, but first I'd like to take a halftime break. If you're down. All right, let's do it. You grew up in Louisiana, played at LSU, obviously spent 11 years in Cincinnati and then 
finished up your career in LA and I believe that you're still spending a lot of time there now. So I have a list of categories for you, but you're only allowed to choose three answers. It's okay. either Louisiana or Cincinnati or LA. All right. So you got to tell me which is the best. I got to tell you which is the best. Which oh, is the best. Man. I have a list of categories. The okay, I'm in. is blinding me right now as well. Um, but we'll get past that. Okay. Best food. Oh, that's Louisiana. 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 I don't even, you don't even have to list them. That's not close. <laughs> what is your favorite food in Louisiana? Well, I think it's just a mixture of everything. I mean, you got a little bit of blend of everybody in Louisiana, but obviously Cajun food, what I grew up eating, anything with some good spices and stuff is, is my jam. So we're talking about some sauteed shrimp with a little Cajun spices or you know, red beans and rice, etouffees, gumbos, you know, all the good stuff. I had king cake for the first time ever last year. Ooh, yes. It was pretty good. <laughs> yes, king cake's really good. Okay, best weather. Oh, that's LA. No seasons for you? You didn't like, you didn't like Cincinnati? You know, <laughs> um, it's a little different in a downtown. I, you know, if I was maybe in the mountains, I'd appreciate some seasons, but uh, in Cincinnati, no. I, that, that, going gray for about five months is miserable. I, I spent the first 17 years of my life in Ohio and then got out of there, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. The best nightlife. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go L.A. on that one, too, obviously. I think, you know, Los Angeles has been known for nightlife for quite some time, so I'm not even going to mess with that one. Best fan base. Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, Louisiana and Cincinnati, that's a tough one. I didn't play professional football in Louisiana, so I got to go with Cincinnati on that one. Okay. Can LSU you talk about was, that? LSU was pretty strong, though. LSU is strong. Can you talk about that in Ohio a little bit? Because obviously I'm, I'm a bit biased, but I do know that Ohio sports fans go really hard for our sports teams. <laughs> they do. And, it, you know, I always said this, even even in years in 08 and 07, when we weren't as good, you know, we would have packed houses and it'd be slammed at our football games. You know, I was always impressed, you know, really how much the fan base believes and love their team. And, you know, obviously it's not the biggest city of all the NFL teams, but the passion and energy they brought when we when we were good from 11 to 15, you know, 2011, 2015, we were going to playoffs. Some of those home games we got to have, I can remember playing Denver and Peyton Manning here, you know, one year. And just the crowd we had for Monday Night Football was just out of this world. I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. And um, I always thought that Cincinnati brought it. When it came to a fan base and there was a home game, uh, it was unbelievable. Best coaching staff. Oh, man. Uh, I'll definitely go L.A. on that one. I mean, Sean McVay has proven that he's probably going to be one of the better coaches that's that's coached in his era. That's for sure. Best team chemistry. Oh, man. Um, I think if I had to go team, because to me it's the entire building, L.A. wins that one as well. I, I thought uh, what we had there was really special from a culture standpoint. I mean, you look at some of the personalities and people that – that we had during our five years there uh, to always be on the same page and have as much success as we've had. I don't think it was just within the locker room. I mean, I think anywhere in that building, the support staff, training staff, you name it, uh, from the coaching staff and all, it was a really special bond. I mean, truly one of those situations where you're close friends with your head trainer and your head coach and 
other coaches on the staff and people in the building. I mean, it's it's one of those things. We are truly a family there, and uh, it was one of the rarest experiences I've had in sports for sure. Love that. And last but not least, best place to retire from. Oh man, uh, you know what? <laughs> I I love uh, Cincinnati. I love Louisiana, but LA is is the winner in there too. I know I'm, I'm I'm biased to LA right now, but I'm a golfer. Uh, I want to play golf every day. And in L.A., you can do that. So the weather is perfect and the golf courses are beautiful. And uh, it's the easiest way for me to have a good time. I can play golf, go to the beach, go for a good hike. That's right <laughs> up my alley. All right, people, we're brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. See, it's not just about the daily promos, odd boosts, or the hundreds of ways to wager. It's about the immortal words of Caesar himself. You bet you get with Caesars Rewards. Every bet you place on the app, no matter the outcome, earns towards exclusive perks at Caesars Rewards destinations everywhere. Hotel stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. Download the Caesars Sportsbook app, become a Caesars Rewards member today, and get more with every week. Wager. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. So have you actually signed the papers? You are officially retired. Have you, have you done all that yet? In the last interview I saw, you weren't there yet. No, I, I haven't actually signed them yet. I, I you know, haven't done, gone through that process yet. The Rams put me on the retired list. Um, honestly, just because it's like the last thing I've even thought about doing right now. Um, just because okay. I've been having fun being retired. I've had fun traveling, getting to be in some of these arenas now, working for, for NFL on Prime. So really, I'm going to get there as soon as I sit down and just uh, have a moment. I'm, it'll probably be one of those docu-signs my agent sends me at some point in the next <laughs> couple months uh, when he remembers to do it. So you're not saying that it you, you haven't because there's a sliver in the door that's still open? No, I really honestly just hadn't even thought about it. I, it's the last okay. thing. I've, if I'm not playing football, that's all I really care about. I'm not a big paperwork guy. You know, I probably need to be a better paperwork guy. <laughs> but uh, at some point, somebody will remind me to sign those papers and we'll do it. I, I mean, I just had to ask. We've seen a lot of guys go in and out of retirement. Tom Brady actually being one of them. How did you feel about that, him retiring for the short period that he did? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's one of those things. It's easy to say it in hindsight, but there was something weird about how he kind of said he was done that I don't know. It didn't add up to me. So it didn't really shock me when he came back. I do appreciate him allowing me to have, you know, the NFC championship and the Super Bowl, but basically about a two week period where I got to be the oldest guy in the NFL playing. So I thought, you know, maybe that was the only, I actually joked with him afterwards that that's the only reason he did it is to let me have my moment. I mean, what a what a great quarterback, a goat to to allow an O lineman to have a little moment of glory and shine to be the oldest guy in the league, even if it was only for about fifteen days. He still let me have it, so I appreciate it. You said goat. We are on ESPN's YouTube channel. They love the goat conversation. Who is your goat of the NFL? Oh man, I I think that's a huge conversation. I think when you, when you really look at it. Uh, I think it depends on how you're going to go. I mean, if you're going to talk about stats or leadership or their ability to change the game, um, I think that's a really deep conversation. I think, obviously, I think Peyton Manning, to me, is one of those guys that I grew up thinking, like, hey, this is the guy who changed the position and, and like, made it to where 
to me, he he really moved the game in a whole new direction when he became the head guy. And so I always kind of had him in that that conversation to me is one of the greatest of all time. And then Tom Brady obviously has to be in there because of all these Super Bowls. I mean, when you have that much success and do it for as long as he's done it, I think it's hard to not say that he's in that conversation. But when you go on the defensive side of the ball, to me, just personally, I'm biased. Again, I've always said this. Uh, Aaron Donald is, is to me, he's one of the greatest defenders of all time. I mean, I, I don't know how you could affect the game more than that guy has uh, this quickly. I mean, to be where he's at, fastest ever to reach 100 sacks as a defensive tackle, um, his effect on the game is unbelievable. I think that's a pretty good list, offense and defense. Was there one guy in the NFL throughout your entire playing career that you felt like you had to prep the most for to go up against? Um, I think really it kind of depends on situations. As offensive linemen, you know, the game's so different. You know, it depends on what the, the, the plan is for the week and then also the situations you get in in a game. And so for me, I thought, you know, one of the better pass rushers early in my career was, was Dwight Freeney. Uh, he was unbelievable with the Indianapolis Colts for a long time. And uh, when Peyton Manning was the quarterback there, they had a lot of leads. And so Dwight Freeney got to do a lot of pass rushing. And, uh, you know, I thought he was really special early in his career. Um, and John Abraham was another one that was really good when I was younger and Demarcus Ware. I've played in three different decades, so I got a long list of those guys. But, you know, I think in the past couple of years, it'd really be, you know, in his heyday, you know, really younger. Khalil Mack was really, really special. I mean, Von Miller was unbelievable. Um, you know, Terrell Suggs and James Harrison were two of the best down in and down out players, as I say. Like they played the run, the pass, all of it exceptionally well. I thought they don't I think they don't get enough praise because. They might have had as many sacks as other players, but they used to shut down one half of the field when they were on it because you couldn't run their way. You couldn't pass with them in the game. They were unbelievable football players. Any guy that gave you the most trouble? Uh, I would say probably early in my career, it'd either be Dwight Franey or Elvis Doomerville, both guys who in stature aren't as tall. They're shorter players that are really fast off the ball, play with great leverage. Um, you know, Elvis was more of a bull rusher. And Dwight Freeney was more of a guy who was able to spin and stuff like that and, and had a lot of, you know, whole mixture package. You know, Dwight was so smart. He he would work different, you know, almost like a pitcher. He had different pitches he was throwing at you the whole entire time. And I thought Dwight was really, really special. And Elvis Doomerville was another one that was really good. And now you are still a part of the NFL. You have joined Amazon for their Thursday night coverage. First of all, congratulations. I heard you say in an interview early on when you weren't sure what you were going to do next, that you were maybe thinking about going into managing a team or going into the media. So what pushed you over the edge and put you on the media side? I think for me, it was really when I got done uh, with the season, it was what, what ways can I be involved with the game of football and uh, still be passionate about it, still be around it. And I thought really, even though people may think those seem like two total different things, it's more about the opportunity to be around the game. And so I knew I didn't want to coach just because the hours and really the commitment there is more than what I would want to do. I, to me, it was either trying to work in a front office or possibly get involved in the media space. And I, when I looked at it, I said, you know what? I want to be able to coach my kids' teams. I want to be able to go to their sports. I want to be able to be around when they have a good and bad day at school. Uh, I want to be able to be around and available for them. Media really gave me that best opportunity. And at the end of the day, I was really excited about the chance to join the NFL and Prime team with Amazon and Prime Video. Just because of really being part of something that's brand new, it's it's the first time ever 
fully streamed NFL game package. And I mean, this team is awesome. The group is so much fun. We already got a great culture going. And I just thought that'd be a great experience for me to, to get in there at the beginning of something, someone who's been all about culture his whole career and just be a part of that and something new and different. And, and now just after doing it a couple of weeks, being in those stadiums, in the arena, feeling the energy, and then talking about the game you love. It's, it's been pretty fun to do and, and uh, doesn't feel much like work. So has there been any learning curve for you? You're great on camera, but going into kind of this hosting commentator analyst role, what has that been like? You know, yeah, there's plenty, right? I mean, there's so many things you learn. I, I can remember I, uh, I got an opportunity to call the preseason games for the Rams this year and I was having a conversation with one of the producers right before the game, and he's just like, yeah, just remember to hit, you know, hit me on the talkback button during the game if there's something you want to see. And I looked over at him, and I was like, I don't know what a talkback button is. <laughs> and uh, he just started laughing, and he's like, do I need to take you up there? to the?" I'm like, yes, dude, I've never been in a booth before. So we literally had to go up to the booth and him show me the setup and the buttons. And I'm, I'm like, hey, listen, I've, I've never even been into these places, much less done it. <laughs> So, you know, obviously there's things you learn. And then, you know, being with NFL on Prime and doing that before the games, pregame and postgame, you know, you're you're really just having a conversation. And, and you're it's about really creating an atmosphere and a culture and, a, and just a setting where you're talking about the game, all the things you're seeing and being honest about your feelings about it and what you think teams need to do differently or, or are doing really well. And you know what? You want it to feel like people are sitting in a living room and you're sitting in there with them and they're just listening to you talk about ball. And so I think for me, I love to do that. And it's a lot of fun. It's something I'd normally be doing with a group of guys somewhere else anyway. So it hasn't felt uh, that different yet, but there's always going to be learning ops. And every week to me, it's like you learn a little bit more and find a little different way that you, you can communicate better. Well, I definitely think that you're a unique talent and are, are going to add add a lot to the media space. So I'm excited to see your career grow now in media. Well, well thank you so much. I appreciate that. We're reaching the end of the game. So I have some buzzer beaters for you. Oh, no. This feels <laughs> like two-minute drill. I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay. What is your ideal food and drink combo while sitting courtside or fieldside? Oh man, I, you know I got to go with a dog, some kind of some kind of hot dog. Uh, you know I I love a good Chicago dog, but I'm also a chili cheese guy. The only problem with that is I can get a little messy courtside. So I'm gonna go with the Chicago dog. And uh, you know what? If I'm cheating a little bit, I I love a good Dr Pepper. A good cold Dr Pepper is my jam. Okay, we'll take that. Who is one person dead or alive that you would love to sit courtside with? Oh man. Um, that's that's ooh. I've heard the the four in a boat. The one in the court side's tough. I'm gonna go. Let's see. You know, I think for me, just because um, I'm such a fan of all different sports, I I I'm gonna say that I gotta choose a sport now with this conversation. But I think I grew up being a you know obviously a, a massive basketball fan, baseball fan. I. I Probably, I liked the Dallas Cowboys, but I didn't follow football as much as I would have liked to. So I think if I got to go into this, my true love is golf. So it would have to be Tiger Woods. Cool. Have you met Tiger? I have met him. I walked with him one time at a, at a uh, golf event, the Genesis Open in, at Riviera. And um, it was cool to just have some conversations and talk about really just at that time he was dealing with some of his back stuff and we were having conversations about rehab and those kind of things. So it was really cool to walk with him in that moment. 
Um, but yeah, he's just somebody to me who completely changed an entire sport. And I think it'd be so cool to just hear some of the stories about, you know, his career and, and really those moments leading up to it. Obviously, everybody knows about now and the success, but just some of those moments leading up to it. I'd love to hear the stories. Definitely a GOAT. And lastly, what is one event in history that you would have loved to have been courtside for? Oh, it man. could be a sporting event or it could be something else. Oh, uh, okay. Um, you know, I'm going to stick to sports just because, you know, that's that's kind of the, my, my topic right now. So I'm going to go... Uh, fun fact, actually. I was actually at the game when Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura got in a fight. When Robin Ventura, you know, cha- you know, charged the mound and Nolan Ryan put him in the headlock. I was actually at that game. <laughs> okay. So that was actually a fun one to actually be courtside for. Yeah. I would say I would love to have been courtside for probably I want to say some of the best like to me ba- like a basketball to me is uh that's the sport to me courtside is like the most insane experience uh to me that's my favorite so I, I would definitely go basketball and I would say probably one of Jordan's finals you know series games I mean probably either the jazz one where he makes a shot at the end um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, maybe early in his career, like playing against Magic, something like that. Like, I, I feel like one of those would have been probably my favorite. That, that would have been insane to get a chance to sit courtside at some of those games just throughout Jordan's career and some of the just the legends that he played against during that time. You know, I just feel like, I don't know, for whatever reason, that that era of basketball just has an aura about it uh, that's different. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the Courtside Club. Before I let you go, predictions for Thursday night's game. You will be there. Bengals-Dolphins. Oh, man, it's going to be a great game. I I think right now Cincinnati finally found some footing this past week against the Jets. Um, They look like they finally, you know, trying to figure out what they need to do to be successful. They, They played some great defense. I just think the way the Dolphins are rolling right now, though, they're going to be a tough team to beat. It's it's a short week. We'll have to see how the injury stuff comes out in the next couple of days. Uh, see if Tua's good now again. You know, after you know getting a concerning head injury there during the game. But I think if Tua's healthy, the Dolphins are a tough team for them to beat. It's it's tough for me right now for the Bengals to be where they're at, trying to find their footing, and then taking on a team who's red hot. But you could also argue that maybe that Bills game was a big emotional game. And if anybody, if there's ever a time, you know, Cincinnati's got a chance. But I'm going to go with the Bengals just because I'm a homer and I'm going to go with my team. But I think it's going to be tough sledding. They're going to have to play a great game. And that Dolphins team is going to be a team that I think is going to have an opportunity to be playing that AFC championship and, and have a chance for a Super Bowl. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the Courtside Club. We will definitely be tuning in for the Thursday night games on Amazon Prime. Yeah, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate the time.